0: It in your head. But I
1: mean, I'm in your head. It Season two. I love, I love your vibes tonight. Happy Wednesday, friends, and welcome back to Aquarius Behavior, a Best Friends Podcast. I'm your co-host Morgan. And I'm your co-host Samantha. We invite you to hang out with us each Wednesday to take in some chaotic storytelling, low-key learning, and high-quality high quality audio. audio. That's the Ab Pod It is the fourth Wednesday of the month. Samantha which means we are curled up in book nook it's book nook it's time for book nook it's time oh my gosh and it's the long awaited finale to Jane Austen's masterpiece Emma Emma Mm -hmm. her fourth book to be published her last book to be published during her lifetime here it is what a banger it is a banger. <laughs> it is a banger. Wow. Okay. So I need to, before we dive in, yeah. I, I just need to be reminded because every time we uh, do a book nook, we always talk about where we're listening or how we're reading. So where did you listen to Emma? Uh, I listened on Spotify and I listened to an
0: audiobook. Let me tell you who did that because they did a fabulous job and absolutely their impression is going to bleed over into whatever I read today because they had such a good, like Harriet voice and everything. Uh, I listened to Emma by uh, narrated by Catherine Drysdale.
1: Ooh, and, okay. Was this a LibriVox recording?
0: Um, it was not a LibriVox Ooh. recording. Let me see if I can find. It. I just, I really bless bless the people who voice audiobooks. Because while, while reading this in my hand could have been done, the ability of listening to an audiobook, imagining it while I do other things,
1: fantastic. Amazing. It's harder than it sounds.
0: <laughs>
1: Dude. I After we started podcasting and I realized, oh my gosh. My mouth gets dry and smacky. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things going on with my face. Yeah. Where you are positioned with the microphone, I'm going in and out right now. Mm -hmm. It really matters. And it's right up in here. Yeah. There's a lot of things technically that make voice acting and voiceover work just (laughs) a lot more difficult. People are so talented and they make it look easy. Yeah. But wow. But wow. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the
0: different voices for all of the different characters in this one by Catherine Drysdale. Mm -hmm. It was fabulous. She just
1: delighted my
0: ear tingles.
1: Love that. Mm -hmm. I listened on the Libby app, and I borrowed an audiobook from the library, and this was narrated by Wanda McCadden. Also lovely. Yeah, she does, you know, I always listen to, like, the first chapter or maybe hop around a little bit because I want to hear their character work and so I when try... you're looking for an audiobook yeah you do auditions I, for... I kind of do yeah <laughs> I, I do yeah. yes because I want to hear all of their characters that's what's important to me I need good characters I want the voices to be distinct so that was fun and then uh, because I had to return my audiobook and then there were other people waiting in line so I couldn't I couldn't check it out again right away. So then I went and I looked for a podcast because it's a public domain novel. And so people have just recorded this and they've made podcasts (gasps) just reading the entire book. Just on the library app? No, just on a podcast app. Oh, just on podcast apps. (gasps) So just wherever you listen to podcasts. Mm. So that was interesting, and I discovered that. And so I downloaded a podcast, but it doesn't actually tell me in the description who read it. Okay. So that's what was difficult is I don't know who was actually reading it, but it was lovely. And each quote-unquote episode is a chapter, but Mm -hmm. they just uploaded all the episodes together. So it's like somebody made it and then just uploaded it to podcast sites. Wow. I know.
0: That's very cool. It's Morgan, I will tell you, listening to the first half of Emma on Shuffle, while it was a fantastic experience for my brain to figure out where we were in the book, because it was on Shuffle. So I listened to some of the end and some of the beginning, and what have you. Oh, that's right. Listening to this second half of the book with just one continuous, nice long voice, just telling me all of the things really made everything a lot more clear and the voice work, work is important
1: yeah. yes i <laughs> totally agree so we in in the volume uh not the volume i i'm getting mixed up because as i was listening to the audiobook tell me if it was this way she my narrator broke up the book by volumes mm-hmm. and so as i'm looking at the menu of the novel and and all of the chapters it tells me that there's 55 chapters but how she reads them She says, oh, now we're in volume three, chapter four. And so like my brain had difficulty with that. Did your narrator do that? So mine was
0: uh, labeled, remember, on shuffle, okay? Oh, yes. There were um, 55 chapters, but it was 55.1. 55.2, 55.3.
1: 55.2, okay. 55.3. Oh.
0: So each chapter was broken up into three or four minute chunks, okay. which for me, as I'm reading, it's like, oh crap, I did not hear any of the last four minutes. Great, let's go back. Yeah. But you can understand three or four minutes on shuffle back and forth. It's just all like, um, but so having, having the 55 chapters and then it going, yeah, 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4, mm-hmm. it was very difficult to understand where I was in the book In relation to the audiobook and this book. Yes, like your
1: hard copy. Yeah,
0: I flipped through the front. This was last night when I was like looking up quotes and everything that really spoke to me. Um, But I was looking for a table of contents because I was like, oh, I know it was in chapter, you know, 12 because the audiobook narrator says that. Mm -hmm. But where is chapter 12?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's volume one, two,
0: and three, and then there's multiple chapters within.
1: Uh-huh. So, okay, great. <laughs> I'm glad you had a similar experience because yes. that was- I also was struggling over here. Made a little interesting for me. <laughs> okay. So where are we starting? I had to write down notes today, and I have three pages, Uh, excuse me, four pages of notes in my diary about this.
0: Wow.
1: In my AbPod diary. <laughs> my dream journal just flip it around
0: <laughs> uh so what i did is instead of flipping back and forth between all of the different um pages i made an uh a uh, mm, agenda Oh,
1: you have an agenda I have
0: an agenda of the order oh, in which um, things happen and they I'm uh, yeah so I can either I can jump I right into like some new characters that we need that. in the second half yeah and then we can kind of talk around yes the quote should I lead because here's okay the field trip today
1: <sighs> yeah, yeah yeah I think that's okay. good and I also just want to explain to listeners so if you did not listen to Emma part one and you're just jumping in, go listen to Emma part one and then come back and listen to part two. Yeah. But if you're not going to do that, that's your choice. And so just know the reason why we're having such a time laying this episode out is because Emma is, it's a thick book. It is Jane Austen's longest novel. It is, there's also just so many characters in this book and so there was just we both sam and i both when we started recording well before that today we were talking about our experience and just like oh my gosh it was such a thick book and 412 pages it's so long and so for a jane austen novel and just there's so many characters so much is happening everybody's flirting with everybody and
0: a lot of movement with the family a lot of movement people going into town yes coming back from town oh my gosh
1: we're going everywhere. And mm-hmm. so it was just – and and also the way that we listened and tried to follow along in our books was confusing. And so it's – there's just a lot happening and a lot to lay out. Yeah. <laughs> so-
0: <laughs> this is our f- first experience with listening to the audiobook because we yes. watched the movies before in our uh, mm-hmm. Emma part one. We talked a lot about the 2020 version of Emma that just – Bill Nighy as mm-hmm. Mr. Woodhouse oh is perhaps my favorite character just oh, yes. just for how they play up Mr. Woodhouse in that yes. situation. But there's just so many good adaptations because it's a lot to chew through and they're long movies for good reason. Yes. Like there's a lot happening.
1: Yeah. I will tell you in my brain as I was reading or listening to this, uh, I imagined all of the characters as different characters. Like, different actors from different adaptations. That's helpful. Okay, yeah. But even that was all jumbled. And so as I'm listening to this, Bill Nye, he was definitely my Mr. Woodhouse. Like, without a doubt. He fit perfectly. Yes. Um. But Tony Collette was my Harriet Smith. I just, like, she's from the Gwyneth Paltrow, like, what is that, 95 or 97? Yeah. Yeah. And I just think she's so perfect. I just, so that's good. who I imagine as Harriet. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then, of course... <laughs> Alicia Silverstone as Cher Horowitz was my Emma (laughs) because I honestly I think she's the best as I've gotten to know Emma through this novel like that is now who I picture Mm -hmm. it's just she's just always I love her (laughs) who is your Mr. Knightley Ooh. I didn't really settle on anybody oh, for him that mm-hmm. I know. Uh, I I kept going back and forth between uh, Paul Rudd from Clueless, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, the guy I don't know his the actor's name, but the Mister Knightley from the twenty twenty mm-hmm. version, the blonde, and, yes, yes, and he's got like the big chops, a big and, collar, When, yes, when they introduce collar, character, big and they're like, he's getting
0: dressed, and you just yeah. see like the twelve layers he puts on, and it's like, yes. oh. Mr.
1: Knightley. I get to see his butt immediately. immediately. And I was oh, like, that's the other thing. it was shocking. I was like, oh my
0: gosh. Yeah, we're going for it.
1: We're getting very intimate with Mr. Knightley very quickly. What? Mm.
0: This is a sexy Emma. Okay. <laughs> this is a sexy Emma. <laughs> well, and for those who don't know, who maybe are just jumping in on part two of Emma, just yeah. because we talked previously about how this. I had no idea. Little Samantha in fifth grade had no idea that Clueless was loosely based around Jane Austen's Emma. Not and even so loosely,
1: like very it's specifically, very, very
0: specifically, very specifically. Oh yeah. Uh, and so there's just a lot of intertwining, I would say between uh, what I'm going to yell about too in some of mm-hmm. these. Like I took in the middle here, it just um, is an exclamation mark that says tie exclamation mark. <laughs> so it's just, it, it, there's just a lot of feelings and i'm really excited to get oh, yeah. into um the parallels of just all these characters
1: it's i a book. every single milestone of this novel as i heard it i would compare two scenes in clueless yep. so and it matched up so well
0: let's do that for our listeners okay? <laughs> We're,
1: well it's it's unavoidable <laughs> with me because if you know me i'm a clueless fanatic so alicia come on our podcast please i mean please love your work all right. So, yeah, let's dive in. Thank you for guiding us today well, with, like, plot-wise.
0: Field Trip Samantha is here to lead you through yeah, uh, thank you. some quotes that really just popped out to me as I was reading. The first one that just got me was when we're introduced to Miss Elton. Uh, Elton has gone away. Oh, my God, Mr. He Elton. has come back with a lady. Got himself a wife. And uh, I grabbed the first time that Emma meets... Uh, Mrs. Elton
1: this was also shocking I just while you're prepping this what a shock like Emma is shocked it happened so quickly what a a scamp
0: all of a sudden yuck okay so here we go this is when they are chatting in the first time the part I'm not going to read this whole thing but back at the beginning uh, Emma says something Along the lines of, within um, thirty minutes was enough time to tell her that Mrs. Elton was a weenie. That's yeah, Samantha paraphrasing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> which you know she's mm. perfectly matched for Mr. Elton. It,
0: well, and that is what we're gonna find out. Because, it's what we
1: call a burn. Ooh,
0: burn. I do not ask whether you are musical, Miss Elton. Upon these occasions, a lady's character generally precedes her and Highbury has long known that you are a superior performer. Oh, no, far from it, I assure you. Consider from how partial a quarter your information came. I am dotingly fond of music, passionately fond, and my friends say I am not entirely devoid of taste, but, as to anything else, upon my honor, my performance is mediocre to the last degree. You! You! Miss Woodhouse, I well know, played delightfully. I assure you it has been the greatest satisfaction, comfort, and delight to me to hear what a musical society I am got into. I absolutely cannot do without music. It is a necessity of life to me. And, having always been used to a very musical society, both at Maple Grove and in Bath, it would have been a most serious sacrifice. I honestly said as much to Mr. E when he was speaking to my future home and expressing his fears lest the retirement of it should be disagreeable and the inferiority of the house to knowing what I had been accustomed to. Of course, he was not wholly without apprehension when he was speaking of it in that way. I honestly said that the world I could give up Parties,
1: balls,
0: plays, for I had no fear of retirement. Blessed with so many resources within myself, the word was not necessary to me. I could not very well without it. To those who had no resources, it was a different thing. But my resources made me quite independent. And as to smaller-sized room than I had been used to, I really could not give it a thought. I hoped I was perfectly equal to any sacrifice of description. I'm going to keep going. No, hold on. <laughs> Certainly. Because she
1: keeps talking. This it's is like, still I have to
0: read this whole part, you guys.
1: Because that's the I'm whole not gonna point. Stop. <laughs> Don't stop.
0: Okay. Because Maple Grove is her fancy, fancy house that she's just comparing everything to. Okay. Certainly, I had been accustomed to every luxury at Maple Grove, but I did not assure him that two carriages were not necessary to my happiness, nor were spacious apartments. But, said I, to be quite honest, I do not think that I can live without something of a musical society. I conditioned for nothing else but without music. Life would be a blank to me. We cannot suppose, said Emma, smiling, that Mr. Elton would hesitate to assure you of there being a very musical society in Highbury, and I hope you will not find that he has outstepped the truth more than may be pardoned, in consideration of the motive. She says, I love this part. No, indeed. I have no doubts at all on that head. I am delighted to find myself in such a circle. I hope we shall have many sweet little concerts together. I think, Miss Woodhouse, you and I must establish a musical club. And have regular weekly meetings at your house or ours? Will it not be a good plan if we exert ourselves? I think we shall not be long in want of allies. Something of that nature will be particularly desirable for me as an inducement to keep me in practice. For married women, you know, there's a sad story against them in general, but they are too apt to give up music. Mrs. Elton, Mrs. Elton, everyone.
1: That is my nightmare. Ah,
0: Do you want to join a musical club with Mrs. Elton and meet weekly? I met you
1: for 30 minutes. I am not going to commit to seeing you weekly.
0: Let me tell you, just reading that middle part, because the whole thing is this whole thought is about music and her thought Mm -hmm. of it and everything. Yeah. But... I mean, I relate for real. It's like, what were we talking about? Oh, yes, music. Let's circle back to the top after Mm -hmm. we've talked about 12 other things and blessings. Emma's just bearing it all and witnessing it all. And I just absolutely loved um, Emma's reaction, which I also highlighted right here. So I'm going to just read this little bit right here. Please do. She says, happily, it was now time to be gone. They were off and Emma could breathe. Insufferable woman was her immediate exclamation worse than I had supposed absolutely insufferable nightly oh because she says Knight. she refers to Mr. Knightley as just nightly. And so Emma is just like, <gasps> nightly. So she says, insufferable, nightly. I could not have believed it. Never seen him in her life before. And to call him nightly and discover that he is a gentleman, a little upstart vulgar being with her Mr. E and her caro sposo and her resources and all of her airs and pert pretension and underbred. Un- underbred <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did we stop? Okay, thank God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Underbred finery. Underbred finery. Um, I could not pronounce that word. It did not work in my brain. I don't know that word. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, to discover that Mr. Knightley is a gentleman, I doubt whether he will return the compliment and discover her to be a lady. I could not have believed it. And to propose that she and I should unite to form a musical club, one would fancy we were bosom friends. And Miss Weston, she just keeps on going after that, but... Uh, Emma is pretty much like, uh, stop telling me that I should um, meet Miss Elton, that I should know her, that I should associate with her. She is not up to snuff or to the par that um, I have in my world. Yeah, And
1: we already have such a just poor view of Mr. Elton at this point. Ish. Okay. And so anyone that he's going to marry or anyone who will agree to marry him clearly is just power hungry, mm-hmm. you know, and just wants to be the wife of the parish religious leader. And it kind of just all I'm getting is busybody mm-hmm. from Mrs. Elton. I'm getting busybody. I'm getting a uh, status queen. She's uh, going to tell you about, about
0: all of the lovely and wonderful yes. in her world and where her opinion comes from because of all the lovely and wonderful. It's all back about her.
1: Maple Grove. Correct. Mm-hmm. It's all about her. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And to Emma's point, there's no way that I am going to commit to a group with you because then people are going to think we're bosom buddies. People are going to think that we're friends and I agree with you and I like you mm-hmm. and that we actually associate together. Like, ew, I can't have that. No. No, and good for Emma because she's right. I mean, the people you choose to associate with, yeah, like that says a lot about who you are. So choose those people carefully. Choose them carefully.
0: Yeah, and Mr. Elton, I think that I have the yes, yes. mm, Next part, next part. We're just chugging right along because I mean, I took a picture of how many dog ears are in this. You did. You did. Whole situation. Okay, let me um just remember what's happening right here. <clears throat> All right. So we know Mr. Elton's a weenie. He's we a big know weenie. he's a big weenie. Is he Regency era fuck boy? Or is he just a weenie? Regency era weenie? Regency era fuckboy. Oh,
1: he definitely the carriage scene earned him major fuckboy okay. status. Yep just wanted yes. to
0: remind everyone where uh, he is yeah. landing it's not just regency era weenie oh no regency
1: era fuckboy he moved into fuckboy status okay. for sure
0: well great because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um let's see if this even enhances uh his title of regency era fuckboy so this is um <clears throat> our clueless equivalent is we're at the dance we're at the dance and tie is standing by the wall and no one's dancing with her and different sets of people stand around her at one point there's two tall people on either side of her and their heads are cut off and she's just looking around like oh I wish there was someone who would dance with us okay
1: I just wish. Oh,
0: I just wish. My name's Ty and I'm just awkward and I haven't had my makeover yet. I'm just not sure. Did she have her makeover by that time?
1: Uh, she did actually. She did, she but didn't she have the red hair. She fell on her butt. Yes, she fell on her butt on the way. Down. Okay, on great. her way into the club. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she was wearing overalls to the club. So, <laughs> strike <strength> two.
0: <laughs> okay, here we go.
1: <clears throat>
0: A very important, very recordable events. It was not more productive than such meetings usually are. There was one, however, which Emma thought something of. The two last dances before supper were begun, and Harriet had no partner, the only young lady sitting down, and so equal had been hitherto the number of dancers, that how there could be any one disengaged was the wonder. But Emma's wonder lessened soon afterward, on seeing Mr. Elton sauntering about. He would not ask Harriet to dance if it were possible to be avoided. She was sure he would not, and she was expecting him every moment to escape into the card room. Escape, however, was not his plan. He came to the part of the room where the sitters-by were collected, spoke to some, and walked about in front of them. As if to shew his liberty and his resolution of maintaining it, he did not omit being sometimes directly before Miss Smith or speaking to those who were close to her. Emma saw it. She was not yet dancing. She was working her way up from the bottom and had therefore leisure to look around, and by only turning her head a little, she saw all. When she was halfway up the set, the whole group were exactly behind her, and she would no longer allow her eyes to watch, but Mr. Elton was so near that she heard every syllable of dialogue which just then took place between him and Miss Weston. Mrs. Weston and she perceived that his wife, who was standing immediately above her, was not only listening, but even encouraging him by significant glances. The kind-hearted, gentle Mrs. Weston had left her seat to join him and say, "'Do not you dance, Mr. Elton?' To which his prompt reply was, "'Most readily, Mrs. Weston, if you will dance with me.' "'Me? Oh, no! I would get you a better partner than myself. I am no dancer.' If Miss Gilbert wishes to dance, said he, I shall have great pleasure, I am sure, for, though beginning to feel myself rather an old married man, and my dancing days are over, it would give me very great pleasure to be at any time to stand up with an old friend like Mrs. Gilbert. Mrs. Gilbert does not mean to dance, but there is a young lady disengaged, whom I should be very glad to see dancing, Miss Smith. Miss Smith! Oh, I had not observed. You are extremely obliging. And if I were not an old married man, but my dancing days are over, Miss Weston, you will excuse me. And anything anything else I should be most happy to do at your command, but my dancing days are over.
1: What a derpy derp.
0: What a weenie weenie Regency era fuckboy. Yes. Excuses excuses, and he did Harriet so dirty.
1: Yes. And that's that's where he does get for me the title of regency era fuckboy for Emma. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it is Mr. Elton. Mm-hmm. Uh because he he's intending to be hurtful. That's like, the
0: difference between Frank <sighs> Churchill
1: dumbass and Elton. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts oh, okay, about Frank so Churchill. <laughs> Frank- oh, yeah! Oh, I got a lot because of because it's like, about him. are we competing? Ab- Fascinating.
0: I mean, it is a competition. Fascinating for Regency era. Yeah, boy.
1: there's one in every novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so, who who takes the crown in Emma? Mm-hmm. Well, we need to know your thoughts. Well, yeah, we'll see. <clears be find throat> and fun, that's yeah. where, yeah, both Mister Elton and Missus Elton—they're so well matched. <laughs> Because they're both such weenies. And it's just, it's all about them. They're very into the look of things. They're theatrical. But they don't really get anything done. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're a lot of talk. Yeah. They're such weenies. I literally, so I told you, I took four pages of notes to get my thoughts down. Mm -hmm. I have just so many thoughts on all of our characters and their development. Yes. But if you can see, like, this first page is a whole bunch. Second page, a whole bunch. But the only thing, Mr. Elton, one note, and it says, gag, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Gag. (laughs) Because that was all I could just muster to say about him is just, ugh, gag. Gag.
0: And we see this sight. Emma's watching this. And then something unexpected happens because Harriet has just been, like, rebuffed. Mm -hmm. Elton's right in front of her. But then I want to read this little part because I forgot that technically I should have been reading. But I'm just I'm going to skip two paragraphs and we're going to go to the next well. And part. we
1: do have to talk about the book too. <sighs> I know. So you can't just read the no, whole two hours. No, I'm not going to, even though we could.
0: <sighs> but it says I'm going to yell at this part because it's like the whole thing is about how Emma is just like looking at all of this and not taking any of the actual what's going on as truth she just sees what she wants to see and so then Mm. she sees yeah mr knightley he yeah just this part right here in another moment a happier sight caught her mr knightley leading harriet to the set never had she been more surprised seldom more delighted than at that instant she was all pleasure and gratitude both for harriet and herself and longed to be thanking him and though too distant for speech, her countenance said much as soon as she could catch his eye again. It's just like she's she's just like seeing it all and like, ah, yes. Way to have like emotional awareness about what's going on in this weird ball situation gave me great joy. And like then Emma can relax mm-hmm. because her friend's taken care of.
1: Yeah. Just like, that oh, awkward situation now. where nobody wants to dance with you. <laughs> Because
0: you're it's wearing like, overalls,
1: it's like the seventh grade dance all over again. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, there's so much happening in that scene, isn't there? It's yeah, it's a soup. It's a soup of emotions
0: because you have Elton just being rude, and it's also part of these books is when you see the witnesses watching because it's like yes. it's not just that Elton snubbed. I almost said tie. <laughs> it's not that Elton they're snubbed interchangeable. High.
1: They're, they're but it's
0: not that Elton snubbed Harriet. It's that also that happened. But Mrs. Weston saw and Mr. Knightley. Mm-hmm. Now we he saw from probably across the room. What did that look like? What did that feel like? To be in their minds during all of these, it just it is. There's so much going on in these
1: scenes. Yeah, and Mr. Elton again, like he's he's supposed to be the uh, spiritual leader of the community and so
0: you know what i mean thank you for reminding me that that's exactly what he's supposed to be doing yes Yes.
1: that's his responsibility (sighs) and so he now also acting in this way that is vicious and uh super rude and he is not practicing what he's preaching literally Mm -hmm. uh ish that's fuckboy behavior yeah
0: just shenanigans i hate that yeah bring mrs elton back and just like oh here's my wife and she's just we're just gonna get all into society and Mm -hmm. okay probably go meet all the cool kids and start hanging out with them there's one point where she's like uh oh i'll give you my invitation so that when you go to town or whatever you can meet my friend and emma's like me get an invitation from mrs elton Like, I would need an invitation from Mrs. Elton to go meet someone. It's all that interesting, like, Regency era hierarchy of society and everything, where it's like, why would Emma Woodhouse need an invitation to go meet one of Mrs. Elton's friends? It just, yeah.
1: (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And sometimes Emma can be a little snotty. But that's you know who she is.
0: Well, should we talk about Box Hill? Because I think that that's the next thing on my list. <laughs> no,
1: I have so okay. many comments. You Good. need to slow down. Okay, great. We got to slow this train down. There's so much to talk about. We got to unpack some stuff okay, here. I'm ready? Wow. Okay. So we have just introduced like a ton of characters. So Mr. <gasps> Alton has gotten married. Like mm-hmm. I need to just talk about what is going on right now in this like part of the book. Right. Great. As we're coming out. So. Because as you mentioned, we are at a ball. But how did we get there? You know? Uh, So much has happened. So we finally, like, as we're in part two, a lot of the characters have now been revealed to us, right? Mm -hmm. So now we've met Frank Churchill. Yes. We have rejected Mr. Elton. Mm -hmm. He is now coming back married all of a sudden. Whoa. Just Uh, showing up. Whoa. Mrs. Weston is really settling into marriage. Turns out we're seeing her every day anyway. So like, yeah, she got married and but moved like, into another house. We're literally still seeing her every day. That so half
0: mile's not hard
1: for Emma, turns no, out. No, not at all. <laughs> she is determined to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen Harriet go through this uh, cycle with Mr. Elton, right? Where she thought Mr. Elton was into her. She was being coaxed into an attachment with Mr. Alton by Emma, which you said such a great thing where like Emma sees what she wants to see. And that is so true. I thought that was like the perfect description of Emma because she is, she's observing all of these things. And the problem with Emma is that she is intelligent and she tends to let her imagination Just make up a lot of the story, though. She, Mm -hmm. like, doesn't ask questions. (laughs) It's just more she sees something and then just is like, oh, well, that's going to be how it is. She just, like, mind reads or just, like, interprets her own thing, right? And so puzzle piece.
0: Just like, and this fits right here. It doesn't matter if it's the wrong color or the borders don't match. This looks great right here. Right.
1: Or it doesn't matter that I haven't asked these people what they think and feel. I'm just going to assume what they think and feel based on what I'm seeing. And I'm seeing people dancing. I'm seeing people talk to each other. And so I'm just going to fill in the rest of that story yep. myself uh, because I'm smarter than everybody. Yeah, <laughs> You know, it's like, that's pretty much what she's doing. So we're here now. And so like, yeah, like you were saying, the big significance of this scene is the fact that Mr. Elton has rejected harriet then been rejected by emma and now he's back with this like toolie wife and he's being a major tool and everybody's just tooling around
0: and he he's not dancing with harriet he's just
1: and so when mr knightley does this like what do you think that emma's thinking when she's seen this because she's like seeing this unfold and like is this a time when she's just like writing her own story now because is this the moment when she Starts thinking that maybe Mr. Knightley is like into her, or I think that what is going on? Yeah,
0: I think that she sees it almost like as a big brother kind yeah. of thing because I immediately go to Clueless
1: about, yep. oh my gosh, look, Josh is dancing with Ty. It's, and he's a it's, terrible dancer and, and he's so cute, de- but Mr. Knightley is a great dancer and, he and he's super is, hot. So, is, so this was like choices. <laughs> he chooses not to dance, but he's actually really good at it. Yeah, twirly
0: around. A oh bit. yeah. So I think that it is kind of like that older brother because from the beginning of the book, it's been set up as like Mr. Mm. Knightley has always been here my entire life. I'm Emma. Mm-hmm. My entire life since childhood, he has been this responsible person who I can give a lot of shit to Mm -hmm. and low key argue with and maybe show some of my less ladylike opinions and he'll give it right back to me. And so they've been setting up a lot of this just, um, mutual respect energy Mm -hmm. and i think that with how much emma has been confiding confiding in mr knightley this whole book and talking about harriet and with the whole thing with mr martin at the beginning of the book with Mm -hmm. talking about harriet rejected mr martin's proposal Mm -hmm. i think that knightley has just been watching this whole time and so from emma's point of view she sees uh mr knightley just jump in and save the day and help her friends save face and you know, it's like in her mind she's like, Well, great, even if he doesn't really, you know, he's he's helping Harriet because it's the nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that's some good guy behavior. Yeah. That yeah. is some good guy behavior. Some good guy behavior.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I interpreted it too, was because like the whole up until then, uh Emma and Mr. Knightley have differed in their view. Views of Harriet Smith, right? Uh, Emma is all for Harriet. She really wants to help her elevate herself in society, just really speak so highly of her qualities. And Mr. Knightley is in the corner like, she's not that great, dude. I mean, she's fine, but... If she marries Mr. Martin, that's like as good as it's gonna get for her. And that's really great. She'll and she's stoked to get a farmer. Yes, like <laughs> hey And so Mr. Knightley is just not convinced of her qualities and doesn't fully understand why Emma wants to be friends with Harriet. He just doesn't see it, he doesn't get it. And so I, like, that was how I, as the reader, like, read this scene was just the adorable. Again, I also pictured Clueless. <laughs> obviously <laughs> and, <Question line. laughs> and so it was it was just like a cute moment for me in terms of uh I just really saw Mr. Knightley identifying something that was important to Emma and realizing that he could be of service there and like do some good and so that whole scene just made me go oh because you know I knew we as the reader know that Mr. Knightley doesn't really care about Harriet, but it was pretty evident in that moment that he was doing something for Emma, you know. Well, I can make sure her friend isn't humiliated. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's if you're at the party and you're Mrs. Weston, mm-hmm. you maybe see this and say, Oh, you know, Knightley and Harriet dancing interesting, but for Emma, knows the backstory. Everyone just is like, Oh, yes. this is all this shit. So, everyone who's in the know. Elton's in the know, Harriet's in the know, excuse me, Mr. E, (laughs) that's how my narrator did Mrs. Elton's voice, and it was just so
1: good. (laughs) I was so happy when Emma commented about that, like, at the end of the book, and she's talking about what to call Mr. Knightley, and she says right away, I will not... Be Call calling you Mr. K. I
0: will not be calling you Mr. K. <laughs> <I>
1: refuse. Like <laughs> Mr. it will not. K. <laughs> <laughs> you. It's just it's tacky. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's uh it's so fitting for um the because I like that that's a detail that Jane Austen put in here. Yes. Like that this was not just she could have said Mr. but we don't have a lot of abbreviations like Mm-mm. or nicknames or whatever. And so I thought this was a really funny spot to just make an even Like, more Regency fuckboy. Like, give him more weenie energy. That's what it is. Mr. E gives him weenie energy.
1: And to me, it's so... It's informal. It's like, it's so informal. It's a nickname. So that's a weird... That's a weird uh, way to just talk to these strangers about your husband. Like, you're meeting all these people for the first time, and your husband is you know, an authority figure in the community. Like that's really weird to me. You're just super chummy. Yeah. And you're just super chummy. And like referring to your husband by the nickname, you call him in your bedroom. Like, you know, Scandal. <laughs> it's just like, it's weird. Yeah. It's just weird. That's a very good point. So that's how I. That gave me I... Hades
0: when you yes. said calling him the name that you call him in the bedroom. it's like, oh, no, yeah, that's true. No, yeah. I don't like that. Like
1: you're getting undressed for the night after a long day and you're just like, <laughs> hi, honey. Like, hey, Boo Bear, how was your day? Like, <laughs> Mr. E, how was your day? It's just like, that's weird. That's an intimate nickname. Yeah. And it's very informal for Ooh. this setting where you're meeting all of these women for the first time—it's weird. Like that's that's how it rubs me uh-huh. in a weird way. Yep. Like, mm.
0: oh yeah. Oh, thank you for pointing that out. I had not oh, thought about know. that. It's yeah. The the wife of the reverend, right? Is yeah, he a reverend, the head of the church.
1: Yeah, the something. local parish man of God, Mister E, Mister E. <laughs> it's just so weird. Yeah. Yep. So I love. Gosh, great amazing passages already starting off with like yes you're giving us great examples yes (laughs) and that's and I know I don't know why like Emma feels different I think Mansfield Park was the other novel where for me there was just like so many characters I had a hard time keeping track of them
0: and it was new for both of us and it was new read the we hadn't read the movie or seen the book
1: yes yes (laughs) uh But Emma just feels different, maybe because that's like, I don't know, maybe we're closer to town or the parish is a little bit bigger. Uh, Maybe it's just because we have more like class crossover, right? Like Mr. Knightley is like he doesn't he like own the parish or he's like
0: he's like one of the parish
1: leaders. He's a landlord there. Yeah. So I don't know if he owns the entire place or if it's just like a lot of the land because he leases to Mr. Martin. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so There's just – we see him, but we're also entangled with Mr. Martin. And so we have just like this range of people –
0: It's like the first and second ring suburbs. No, you know, this is what you're talking about. Yeah, like the second. It's like we have the city, which is London. Yeah. But then we have like our city suburbs and then our suburb suburbs and then our farm country. Yeah. And so this is like the blending of the farm country. But Mm -hmm. it's still Frank Churchill at some point gets a haircut, right? He goes, runs to town and gets a haircut. (laughs) And it's like. Just in the afternoon real quick. So he can do a round trip to London in an afternoon. So that gives us an idea of the ease of being able to run to town so this mm-hmm. is like our you know um yeah the the farmers that are really taking care of a large population yeah having to do having to do it
1: thank you yeah that's what it is because we also went to town multiple times whereas in the other austin novels we've read they're much more country-based i mean sense and sensibility and pride and prejudice especially like we are in the country yeah and so they go and travel and and that's when we get a lot of the, oh, we're out to dinner, we're shopping. But besides that, it's a lot of long walks. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of visits and card playing. Uh, whereas here, we're in town multiple times. Like they go shopping every couple weeks and it's like, oh, we're at the hat shop and we ran into Miss Bates. Whoops! <laughs> and All that kind of stuff.
0: And we haven't had a main character who's just had money. You know, we've gone Never. from we've gone Never. from main characters who have started from the bottom. Yes. Now they're at Mansfield Park, and <laughs> we have characters. So it makes sense for her to be closer to town. One because she can afford it, mm-hmm. and um, there's not that much to do. But two, what would you do with all that money if you lived that far away from town? That is so oh, great insight. It Sam. makes a lot of sense that Emma's social life is just in this in between mm-hmm. place. I feel like she's an introvert like us, where. I don't want to be around the big crowds, but I want to be around people, but only on my terms. And I feel like Emma's really Mm -hmm. engineered a social life for herself where she can be in her nice house with her nice things and whatever. But there's enough entertainment and she has her like true homie in Harriet. Where she can just, like, what's going on with Harriet? This is my insight into a world I don't know. Mm -hmm. She's a boarder at the boarding school. And this is the nice little package life that I have control of
1: Mm -hmm.
0: in my country estate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She likes to be a big fish. Mm -hmm. She does. And, yeah, I think that's a good point, too. She really likes control. Mm -hmm. And most of her relationships are about control. Like, she does. You're right. She chooses to surround herself by women that she views as less than herself like she's either oh they're here because i'm helping them or like they're and she does like genuinely connect with these women and that's what they learn from
0: me how can i be of service but there's a level correct of
1: and that's why she doesn't like jane fairfax mr knightley calls her out on that one is like you realize why you don't like jane fairfax right because she's actually an accomplished woman and she comes from nothing and you wish that you were that way. And you want people to regard you as accomplished as her. Like, she envies Jane and she sees a competitor in Jane. And yeah. so that's why she doesn't like her. Fascinating. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's a really good point about surrounding
0: herself with people that just, uh, that, yeah, because there's Miss Bates, who yep. everyone is wanting in some way mm-hmm. of either status or money or connection or yep
1: yeah emma mrs weston was her nanny mm-hmm. and then you know in the beginning of the book it's you know we are introduced to emma during kind of this first conflict that she's ever had where she's like oh my gosh she's getting married she's going to be mrs weston like what's going to happen i have no control over this situation She's going to have a husband now. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was so caught up in me being the matchmaker and bragging about that that I didn't realize that I actually like this person and I'm real friends with her. But there was, again, because...
0: She spent four years setting her friend slash nanny, yes, for lack of a better word, up, Exactly. And then realizing, oh, crap, I actually really like her in my life. And now now this is
1: out of my control. Yes. <laughs> but there was always that safety because... Mm-hmm. She worked for the Woodhouses, so it was like, oh well, she works for us, and so, mm, like, we're not competing with anything. This we're not is a- how it'll always be. Yeah, it'll always be this way. Emma, oh, girl. you girl, you Emma. Amazing. Oh my, I love that. So, that's where we are. Uh, okay, so let's talk about Frank Churchill rank can we Churchelle. let's we got to talk about him because yes. so
0: this is mr weston's son, son. Yeah. yes
1: mrs weston's now stepson mm-hmm. and we have met him now and he has he was not in any of the passages that you've read yet not yet and so because he's he's a little newer to our cast mm-hmm. we have spent like a lot of the first half of the book just hearing about him which is a classic <laughs> Uh, Austin Move. She she loves to introduce secondary characters through rumors and gossip. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, which I also love. (laughs) Give me it. That's also reality. Like when we meet people, especially like secondhand, it's like that's what we get is who they are or their personality through other people's eyes. And so we're going in kind of with that little a skewed view now yeah. uh sort of that prejudice mm-hmm. and so yeah i think that's just a very real thing she does you know it's a relatable human thing and
0: as the reader we're all like frank churchill frank churchill oh, oh frank, frank
1: churchill oh, oh frank my goodness oh my, gosh, oh my goodness new
0: guy in town wow gets his haircut in london in what? everybody
1: seems to like him <laughs> yeah
0: what's the deal so with that?
1: what's up with that mm-hmm. uh but also mr knightley doesn't think very highly of him no oh. So, I don't know. Uh, so, spoiler alert, right? Uh, he, the whole book, it just really seems like he and Emma might be hitting it off.
0: Just the whole book, they're flirting. Yes. And oh,
1: such things flirts. Things
0: are happening. Hanging
1: out. But Emma is just, like, the whole time she's really grappling with this, like, I mean, I do like him, and he seems to be flirting with me, but also... I don't want to marry him like I don't really want to
0: I don't want to get married I like, still don't want to get married yeah. so
1: I don't know maybe we could just like flirt a little bit and maybe be fun. good friends yeah. and it's good so that was a whole that was a brand new perspective uh like
0: I'll participate yeah and it's also kind of um like edgy for this time too because yes. it's flirting without the intention of spoiler, spoiler, spoilers 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 they're doing this to each other.
1: Um, And I just want to say a little bit of fuck girl behavior. <gasps> <gasps> oh, just like absolutely, absolute no intention to like get anything serious. Mm-hmm. Girls just out there to have a little fun. Uh, I thought that was interesting, too, because it to me really reeked of a gender swap. Like yeah. Austin seemed to be. Yeah, kind of experimenting because we've seen like that behavior, but it's always been with men. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we saw Marianne openly flirt in Sense and Sensibility, but she had intentions like she was fully in love and was just girl was going for it. But I don't think that we've really seen a character. Ooh, maybe a Mansfield Park a little bit. Maybe a little bit. It was like the kind of the concept was introduced, but... I mean She plays with not it in this like book. This. Though. Oh, yeah. she really takes it it's, to a new level. I like like everybody can tell Emma's flirting. Emma herself is like, Oh, totally. Like, I'm absolutely flirting with Frank Churchill. Yeah. And it's fun and he's cute and
0: And this is a great time. And, and like, like- we maybe we would you know be together if there were variables that like if it was just us on paper you know what i mean like frank churchill and emma oh my gosh mr weston's son and you know mrs weston's like person she took care of oh wow yes they're so rich they should be together on paper sure Mm -hmm. but the yeah the mechanics of it's not lining up and she's like well i'd take it but uh, there's no passion there yeah so she'll participate
1: yeah It's interesting. My my theory as I'm looking at them, because what we also know, Austin likes to pair her couples uh, with complementary and also opposing traits. And so she tends to when she couples her characters, they really tend to signify a yin and a yang. And I love that.
0: My eyes just got really I love that. wide as you said that. Okay, <laughs> say more words about that. Yeah, because that's so true.
1: Yeah. So, well, okay. So, for example, I look at Frank and Emma and how there is something about them, their flirtiness. They just, like, really – they just have this flow and this rhythm together. Uh, and I think that's what really attracts them as friends at first because when they finally meet – There's this instant attraction and they do share a lot of similar traits. Uh, And so I think that's like what makes it really easy for them to start to get along. But the more time they spent together, the more I started to see how the traits that they share are not their best traits. And so... We have
0: so much in common. Yeah, they
1: have so much in common. Like how they're both selfish and conceited and really uh, concerned with appearances. And they also love to gossip. And they're kind of busybodies. And so that was then, the longer they spent together, it was like, well, those were the things that started really occupying their time. And I... like. All of those things in Emma started to be magnified and was, you know, starting to lead her into trouble. Like when they're at the picnic and she says that terrible comment to Miss Bates about having dull stories. Yes. And it's just like that kind of stuff that just like <sighs> makes her brash and just unfiltered selfishness. And just like she completely loses all awareness. It's
0: she not only loses all awareness, but then the crashing down on her after like her own comments sink in. I'm trying to find the part where Knightley yes. says things to her afterwards. <gasps> Give me a he second. Scolds her. I, I want to read the part mm. where he scolds her. Yes. Um and because that is exactly some prime behavior that you're talking about. Of yes. she is getting too comfortable around Frank Churchill. He mm-hmm. is like, hey y'all, everyone, let's play a game and be silly. And she's just participating and kind of letting it happen even though even mr elton excuse me mr e and mrs elton are like low-key uncomfortable like mm-hmm. near the end of that part like they get up and leave after some of those moments yeah. because like ooh, it's all uncomfortable so then emma walks away and yes mr knightley
1: i know has some things to her he sure does have some things but that's you know I, that's definitely to me a frank churchill he's just he's immature and so is emma and so together (laughs) it's just not they're not good for each other and uh frank just doesn't seem to have the conscience though that emma does because emma definitely when she does something she knows when she she does does something wrong and then she does feel bad about it where frank just doesn't seem to have that clue i mean he's clueless <laughs> <And> so <Yeah. laughs> he just doesn't seem to really get it but yeah that whole time even beforehand um and, and this one time i think i don't remember if they're playing charades or something some sort of like guessing game some sort of regency era um, yeah some sort of regency era <laughs> shenanigan game that you play at picnics and y- you know his whole kind of way that he's playing it is try to secretly embarrass people or you know to it's all about bets for him like oh i bet i can do something to make them embarrassed or get a, or, rise, or, out of yeah, get a rise out of them maybe like a little shame or something okay rude like don't you have better things to do with your time yeah
0: that's an emotional Ew. soup that just does not need to be created yeah right emotional
1: now. manipulation mm-hmm. fuck boy behavior hmm interesting did you find our passage i
0: did find our passage mr yes. knightley has some feelings so oh y'all emma says some rude stuff and she low-key is just trying to dip out of this party now she's just like and i'm out i feel it the emotional soup okay. got too thick and now we gotta go all right <clears throat> while waiting for the carriage she found mr knightley by her side he looked around as if to see that no one were near and then he said emma i gotta get down low for nightly (laughs) emma i must once more speak to you as i have been used to do a privilege rather than endured than allowed perhaps but i must still use it i cannot see you acting wrong without remonstrance remonstrance yeah that is that word without a remonstrance how could you be so unfeeling to miss bates how could you be so insolent "'In your wit, to a woman of her character, age, and situation, "'Emma, I had not thought it possible.' "'Emma recoiled, blushed, was sorry, but tried to laugh it off. "'Nay, how could I help saying what I did? "'Nobody could have helped it. "'It was not so very bad. "'I dare say she did not understand me.' Knightley says, "'I assure you she did. "'She felt your full meaning. "'She has talked of it since.' I wish you could have heard how she talked of it, with what candor and generosity. I wish you could have heard her honoring your forbearance in being able to pay her such attentions as she was forever receiving from yourself and your father when her society must be so irksome. Oh, cringe! emma very poorly oh. done
1: bad form emma she just
0: nightly sees her so oh. truly and like the the shining beacon of like ugh, values
1: mm-hmm. and
0: like not even just right yeah. and wrong but like what is passable in polite society and it's mm-hmm. like Emma, that was a bitch move. That was just rude. She will never equal you in situation or circumstance, and you just like called her out in front of a group of people who every single person is above her in this mm-hmm. si- situation. Yeah, for Miss Bates. I mean, yeah. even Jane Fairfax has a her cousin has a higher her niece. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Even her niece has a higher like
1: social income standing.
0: and social standing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Knightley calling Emma out, it's one of those, like, you should be able to tell the truth to the people you love about the behavior that you see. And this Mm -hmm. is a really nice example of Knightley being like, hey, Emma, I know you better than that. But that was some shit. That was some shit that you just did to Miss miss Bates.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Emma just intentionally calls her out and again like her intention nothing was nice about that no it wasn't funny no it wasn't funny it was just intentionally hurtful Mm -hmm. and everybody and we all know we all know that miss bates just talks too much you sent me a hilarious little meme on instagram or some sort of gif that was hilarious and made me think of miss bates about just how somebody asks you a question, and then you don't know what to say. And so then you immediately drag out the story and talk about like 12 other things that lead up to that answer because you have to tell your entire backstory and decide, like, oh, well, you asked me what my favorite color is. Well, I have to go back to when I was seven years old so I can tell you about this trauma that I had in art class. Yeah. And then that is leading to today, 15 years later, that's where my, my favorite, favorite color. color is blue. Mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> it was that's, like totally mistakes. What's your favorite movie that was the question that was the question and it's like
0: for me i like go back for a thousand years like well what is my favorite movie yes there has to be lore and it's like nah dude people are just wondering what your favorite color is or your favorite and it's such miss bates energy it is we're gonna go on a tangent
1: yes buckle up kids but but miss bates is so sweet i mean Mm -hmm. she's the most optimistic even mr knightley says that at one point where he just says She is just the most joyful person. And everything that she talks about, she's always so grateful. She's looking at the bright side of everything. Uh, She's just delighted by everything and everyone. And it is just something to aspire to, to just, like, be that delighted with the world and the life that you're living and just be filled with so much love and gratitude. I mean she's amazing and and you know yes she monologues so much and her monologues uh really make me they make me uh think of Mrs. Elton's monologues mm-hmm. but the difference is that Mrs. Elton she talks a lot but it's always just about herself whereas and, and it's just very self-centered but Miss Bates, everything is just, it's about everybody else. And she's just lifting everything and everyone up and her observations (sighs) and her experiences.
0: Yes. This is also about like how a lot of the gossip or storyline in this book is furthered by mrs bates so it's like you want to skip over it but no no because you need to see how the dominoes are getting hit in the back and even though she's going to tell you something important Mm. it's going to be between oh my gosh jane watch out that stair is too high and oh my goodness have you ever seen such good lighting but then we're going to be dropping plot points in these
1: it's she is an important piece of this novel you're right she provides us such insight into these secondary characters. And yeah. she does provide a lot of that kind of gossip, right? And insight into who they are before we even meet them. Yeah. Like Jane Fairfax and Frank Churchill and all of her letter writing is so useful. Even though we have to sit there and listen to the whole uh the whole story thing. about the letter and then she'll read the letter to us. Yes. So it's double time. <laughs> Tell me about the letter and then read me oh the letter. <laughs> like she's just so excited to share this and like provide information i love her Mm.
0: yeah in every austin book there's like an unsung great character is how i feel like in pride and prejudice mr collins for me just does it you know like it just is the ridiculous character but also they're important they're there for Mm -hmm. a reason if they weren't there with their observations or their musings or what have you mm-hmm. it just gives such good insight into all the other characters and mrs Bates, excuse me miss bates is just like my favorite character in this book it's oh, up there dude like yes. just i because i see her for why jane put her in there
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know what would this book be without miss bates yeah jane fairfax could exist but Miss Bates as like a literary tool mm-hmm. is just so lovely for me as a reader mm-hmm. to sometimes I find myself zoning out in the middle of the paragraphs all but the time
1: I all can the time. hear
0: her voice in my head so much more how it's written stylistically with all the dashes and it's one run on sentence and I can hear her as more of a character mm-hmm. than I can other characters
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think it's just there's some in every book where it's just like I see why you did that, Jane. I mm-hmm. see why you made
1: this character that way. Yeah, she has a distinct voice. She, mm-hmm. Oh, yes, she does. Oh, oh. it's so cute. <laughs> it is so cute. Well, and
0: like Miranda Hart, <gasps> yes, doing <gasps> who plays her in the 2020 movie. Yeah, it's just that is my that is my Miss Bates. That Mine too is my Miss Bates. Mm-hmm. It's forever and always perfectly acted.
1: No notes. Miranda Hart. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Come on our podcast. <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> hey, AbPod listeners. Hope you're feeling groovy and this episode is bringing a slice of nice to your day. Did you know you could follow AquariusBehavior.pod on Instagram to see weekly episode updates and behind-the-scenes podcast pictures? Yeah, it's true. You can also email the show at AquariusBehavior.pod at gmail.com to share your friendship stories or suggest a segment. Stay hydrated, buddies. Now on with the show.
0: Uh, We need to quick talk about a plot point that I'm not going to quote from, but on the way home from the ball, Morgan, Mm -hmm. do you remember what happens to Harriet? Her brush with death and then (gasps) she is rescued? Yes. People really got Harriet's back recently. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah,
1: some youths. Yeah. The youths. The young youths.
0: So that's a plot point to um, remember, because then we get up into the um, Harriet telling Emma that actually it's not Frank
1: Churchill that she's in love with hmm Because exactly. that's that's the story that Emma starts writing. That's the story that is Emma she, is telling herself. Yep. She sees this and thinks, oh, my gosh. Well, I don't really actually want to be with Frank Churchill. He's a great flirt. Mm-hmm. But, wow, he could marry Harriet. And Harriet probably likes him because who wouldn't like Frank Churchill?
0: And then Harriet would also be like her mm-hmm. low-key sister, yeah. low-key, because she's still in the family. And yeah. so it's like she's just getting this whole group all hitched together so Mm -hmm. that harriet will never be far because Mm -hmm. a woman of harriet's um society will probably go away to where her husband lives of course the likelihood of her husband coming to the boarding house and them Mm -hmm. trying to make a living that just wouldn't work so she's saying hey can i just get my bestie married to someone local and then Mm -hmm. she'll just be around for a while
1: yep (laughs) That so, sounds like a perfect plan, Emma, except, you know, people are individuals and in their hearts.
0: <laughs> it's uh, the, the part that just makes me laugh so hard is because Harriet and Emma have been talking this whole book. And these last couple chapters about, like, oh, wow, you know, the gentleman. And they're just not really calling the person that, like, Harriet has a crush on by name. And, like, just low-key, like, referring, like, vaguely. Like, Mm -hmm. very vaguely to her feelings about these things. And to be fair, Emma, with the whole Mr. Elton thing, they're not exactly, like, you know, so hard on, like, oh, my gosh, Harriet, blah, 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 blah. So Harriet's kind of on her own little quiet
1: quest with Mm -hmm. Emma just
0: you know kind of like oh well lovely you know that you're into this person and oh okay
1: great yeah 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 and harriet's finally moving on from mr Uh elton she's burning all of his stuff
0: thank goodness
1: in clueless yes she brings her little box ty brings her little box like oh this was the towel he patted my head with do you remember that song Rolling with the homies. Rolling with the homies. <laughs> and Harriet does a similar thing where she says, hey, I'm finally over him. And here's some mementos that I've kept because yep. it was little puppy love. Yep. She has her little pencil nub and she has like this. I didn't look it up, but it was some sort
0: of like plastering something mm. that you use for injuries. And, at oh. the, and Emma's like, ooh, yes. let me actually hold on to that because that's still something I don't want you to burn it. And Harriet's like, no, I must Burn it to get rid of the I'm a witch. It's a ceremony. <laughs> we got to cleanse the area. Cleanse it. Cleanse so, it. <laughs> so uh, after all of this miscommunication throughout these couple chapters, uh, she says, My dear Harriet, this is Emma. My dear Harriet, I perfectly remember the substance of what I said on the occasion. I told you. "'that I did not wonder at your attachment, "'that considering the service he had rendered you, "'it was extremely natural, and you agreed to it, "'expressing yourself very warmly as to your sense of that service, "'and mentioning, even when your sensations "'had been in seeing him come forward to your rescue, "'the impression of it is so strong in my memory.' "'Oh, dear,' said Harriet. "'Now I recollect what you mean.' "'but I was thinking of something very different at the time. "'It was not the gypsies. "'It was not Mr. Frank Churchill that I meant. "'No, I was thinking of a much more precious circumstance "'of Mr. Knightley coming and asking me to dance "'when Mr. Elton would not stand up with me "'and when there was no other partner in the room.' That was the kind of action, that was the noble benevolence and generosity that was the service for which made me begin to feel how superior he was to every other being upon earth. "'Good God!' cried Emma. "'This has been a most unfortunate, most deplorable mistake. What is to be done?' "'You would not have encouraged me, then, if you had understood me. At least, however.' I cannot be worse off than I should have been if the other had been the person. And now it is possible. Emma has made a mistake. She has thought that Harriet is just in love with Frank Churchill Mm -hmm. for rescuing her after the dance. And no, no. Her eyes were all for Mr. Knightley the second that he was like, hey, Harriet, you want to do
1: some dancing because Elton's a Regency weenie? Regency weenie see and this is kind of the irony of this whole book is that Emma can't read other people like she's bad at reading other people but she's pretty much putting herself in this in very similar scenarios you know it's like she's openly flirting with Frank Churchill and has these inner monologues that we've already talked about where she's saying, oh, people probably think, are probably looking at us thinking this and like we're attached and whatever, but we're totally not. And yet she cannot apply that same thinking and reasoning to other people. She just, again, sees it one-sided. It slots in and
0: there it is, checkbox. Yes,
1: yes. And so it's like I was thinking of this as I was reading it. Uh, There's that uh, phenomenon called the I think it's the Bader Meinhoff phenomenon in science where it's it's the the phenomenon of how if you're looking for something specific, you're going to find uh evidence quote-unquote confirmation to support it yeah, yeah confirmation bias yes it's like, kind of like that yes okay similar in the realm of right. the diagram okay so it's
0: like <laughs> if i'm looking for something yep and it's so shocking to emma's system to even think about knightley being a possibility that that doesn't yes. even go
1: into her head yes because it doesn't fit her story and so story. it's just you know but that's not true science because you're supposed to be objective and yeah so for her she's just already writing her story she's only looking for what she wants to see in society and her friends in these relationships and so she's completely blindsided by this news and also it leads her to think about her feelings for mr knightley now for the first time for the first time her her uh friendship Her relationship with Mr. Knightley is uh, questioned.
0: It's the scene Mm. in Clueless where (laughs) Cher is shopping. She's doing some retail therapy. And then she just has a moment and says, I love Josh. Mm -hmm. And then the fountain goes behind her and it's all, I tagged it. Let me find it. Oh, Mr. Knightley. Oh, I also tagged something Ah. about Emma just bitching about. Mr. Knightley and Harriet Smith it was a union to distance every wonder of the kind. um okay, let me find
1: it and it's so typical, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, who come on? this is our fourth novel of of, of the Jane Austen saga. Mm-hmm. so we're not new to this. I mean, no. it was pretty clear that Knightley was the one uh but it's amazing that she hasn't thought about this, I guess. Similar if we're looking at, like, the clueless version, right? I mean, this is somebody that she's just grown up around. And Mr. Knightley, I forget that he actually is significantly older than Emma. And so at the end of the book, he tells Emma, I've actually been crushing on you since you were 13. Which, in my 2023 uh, brain, I'm like, "Mm, problematic. Problematic. (laughs) Uh, uh yeah. I understand it was different back then it's and different back then. You know, mm-hmm. granted he also didn't act on anything. She's 21 now. Um but that kind of also tells you something too that he this is not something that's just coming up for him and he hasn't acted on this at all because he never thought she would be interested or he also thought that was inappropriate or you know that it just like wouldn't be right. And so when there is this kind of spark with Emma, it's really interesting because it's like, oh, it's a possibility. Huh?
0: Just never thought about it until never thought about moment. It. Yeah. The whole beginning of chapter 12 is um, her reacting to the news mm-hmm. about like Harriet being in love with Knightley. And like the moment that it dawns on her, mm-hmm. she just said, <laughs> Emma had never known how much of her happiness depended on being first with Mr. Knightley. First, in interest and affection, satisfied that it was so, and feeling her due that she had enjoyed it without reflection, and only in the dread of it being and only in the dread of being supplanted, found how inexpressibly important it had been. It goes on to say lots of words about how wow. I never realized how much Mr. Knightley was intertwingled into every aspect and facet of my life, every opinion that I've ever had, every approval and moment. It's just dawning on her just how cemented in her life Mr. Knightley is. Mm-hmm. And like this moment of reflection that is just hitting her now that she's realizing, maybe not like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose Knightley to Harriet, but... Harriet is now pursuing Knightley and there is some feelings in my heart that I did not know that were there. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: She had to do some deep breathing about this, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. It definitely, the thought of, you know, Harriet, or it's not even a thought right now. It's, it's the, (laughs) the truth of the matter. You're right. That Harriet is now pursuing Mr. Knightley. And that brings up some fear in Emma and this realization that, yeah, he's been that constant and. It's so true. One of my favorite parts is when the weather is bad. And so uh, and Emma's sister and all of her siblings are in town. And so they all are staying with uh, Mr. Woodhouse and Mr. Knightley is also there and chooses to stay while he could go home. Uh, And he does still have to commute sometimes for work and it's a little bit much. And somebody makes a comment to him about, you know, why didn't you go home like the rest of everybody? Like, why are you here? And it's really just because he wants to make sure Emma and Mr. Woodhouse are okay. And he just feels this obligation. And he's Mm -hmm. also there during these really private moments of Emma's life. Family like, time. It's the family time. Yeah. They're just sitting in the living room They're by the fire. They're wearing their home clothes, more. They're in their home clothes. Yeah. They're reading. The children are screaming, being yes. very
0: un-Regency era society. Yes. The baby is around and something might be wrong with it and we're not sure.
1: Mm-hmm. He's just
0: in this chaotic soup Yes, of family visiting time.
1: Yeah. He's just, he's always kind of there. He's always there. And so yeah, it is like that moment and Emma for the first time thinks about, oh, Oh my gosh what would life be like without mr knightley i don't think i want to find out I don't and... really know what
0: that is <laughs> yeah she says in this paragraph like the only option is for her to marry mr knightley the only option mm-hmm. is for mr knightley to marry her that's always only been the only option how has she never thought about this? they're just
1: supposed to be together they're just supposed Hello? to be together Duh.
0: why has she It's so good. It's just such good writing.
1: I, okay. I love Mr. Knightley and Emma. I gotta say, I absolutely love their love. I love their relationship. Uh, This is also so far the relationship that I'm going to say I have uh, just, it's hit me the closest to home. Like I really relate to uh, Emma's just wild child energy and spirit and her finding this, like, calm partner. It's like, you know, Emma's over there feeling everything. Mr. Knightley is over there thinking everything. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's it's very different from Emma's... Uh, I don't even want to call it a courtship flirtation with Frank Churchill where
0: interaction just like her. <laughs> yeah. It's like the I'm trying to really in, but not really. And like, yeah, just doing it for show, but also serious. Yeah.
1: And how, you know, Frank Churchill magnifies Emma's sassy traits and, you know, some of her like not so nice qualities mm-hmm. and Mr. Knightley, though, with him and Emma together, I like that uh, they challenge each other, but also I think that Mr. Knightley's presence in Emma's life improves her just as much as her presence improves him. Yeah. Because Aww. they have similar morals uh, but they're also looking at life from completely different perspectives and that that's where a lot of their arguments come from during the novel is you know they're they're arguing about people they know and people's statuses and their unions and uh, where they stand in society and they have definite opinions about that but they differ a lot because they're looking at these scenarios from completely different points of view. Mm -hmm. So as they start talking about their feelings for one another, it's very cute to first of all see Emma being shy and a little uncertain of herself for the first time. She's fumbling a little bit. I mean, she's starting to really feel the feelings and and kind of like not knowing how to exactly act around Mr. Knightley now. She's got hands. She's got a body. She just, yeah. it's all here
0: and it feels things now. What and she's I never with had to think about what she has to do with her hands now. Oh my gosh, yes. yes.
1: And so, but it's also during that time that they both admit to each other and we really hear Mr. Knightley talk a little bit more about how Emma has influenced him yes. and how he acknowledges how valuable that has been because he's like i'm set in my ways and you bring up some radical ideas and sometimes you say stuff that i think is so stupid (laughs) but i gotta tell you oh isn't that love right there (laughs) i gotta tell you i lay awake at night thinking about it and i ponder and i am starting to be curious and uh you know we see too that that happens with emma like it's so awkward when Mr. Knightley scolds Emma after embarrassing Miss Bates at the picnic. Oh, but Christ. also we see how much uh, Emma truly esteems Mr. Knightley and, and how he much is yeah. the only person who really could say those things to her. And he is careful and precise about the way he says them. Uh, and he even says to like, I understand it is my privilege to be this close to you and like this intimate to like, I have the privilege to say these things.
0: Exactly what I was going to say. It's and the-
1: I don't take it often, Ooh, he's not but I need to. But no. he's like,
0: Hey, I'm allowed to get this close to you and I'm going to tell you the real words.
1: Yeah. And so when they're together, what I love about that is just the fact that I see both of them grow in their curiosity. Uh, their relationship really expands both of their minds and their understanding of the world, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. Emma and Mister Knightley like they both become more open and humbled just as individuals by yeah. each other's presence.
0: Yeah. Ooh, better together. Yes. better together. It's true. It He's a curmudgeonly old man, and she's just a little bit too high in her horse in her own mind, and they even each other out.
1: <gasps> yeah, mm-hmm. and who you surround yourself with matters, mm-hmm. you know. Uh and I love that because that is you know, classic Austin, just yeah, showing those complementary uh, characteristics, right? Yeah, the puzzle pieces. Yes. Mm. And and so it's just it's very cute. And also we then see Frank Churchill paired up.
0: Yeah, let's get into that, Morgan.
1: With Jane Fairfax? Like, what the fuck?
0: What? A secret
1: engagement. Okay, this was the weirdest thing to me. So I will tell you, I, like, because there was just no hint of this at all. At all in the book.
0: No, there's a couple <laughs> moments where, like, it's made where, like, Jane is either quiet or Jane doesn't say anything back or Jane doesn't go with them. That's about the yes. extent of, like, us knowing any relationshipy things between
1: them. No, there's just, like, we know that they're acquainted, uh, but they're not usually talking to each other. Sometimes Frank says that he was visiting Mrs. and Miss Bates and Miss Fairfax happened to be there, but... Now, after this comes out, it made me think differently about all of the times that was mentioned and wondering. Like, I really just wanted to see that whole. A side story in more detail about oh my gosh, I wonder what they were whispering to each other, or just in the moments in between lines with other characters, what was happening with Frank and Jane, yeah. and where were they?
0: Well, and how ostentatious! Let's talk about this, Morgan. Are you ready ostentatious. to talk about? <laughs> it's ostentatious. <laughs> the pianoforte him being so secret and such a butt being like i have to keep the secret engagement so secret and jane is like oh my gosh we got to keep this secret engagement so secret like if his family finds out he will lose all of the money that's just how it always happens and so when when the yeah. mom if as long as the mom is alive this engagement has to be secret mm-hmm. so mom dies Everyone finds out that they were together, but while this was happening at the beginning of the book, um, someone sent Jane Fairfax a secret piano. Mm-hmm. What an awkward position for Frank mm-hmm. to put Jane in to, like, wanting to show his sexy affection, but also, like, now she has to, like, make excuses for, like, where this piano forte came from. Like, where did it come from? It just... There's a lot of missteps that Frank Churchill is just like, you didn't think about the plan. You didn't think about who you would um, leave in the wake of your plan, whether their feelings would be hurt or not. And I think that when Emma gets a letter near the end of the book and he was just like, I totally thought that you were not into me. And so I thought that this was all fair game and that we were just having a good time.
1: Mm -hmm. Frank is fascinating to me because he this is where... I'm I don't think he's officially my regency era fuckboy of the mm-hmm. novel. Mm-hmm. I think he's just a moron. Yeah. An absolute moron. Just, moron. just the idiocy of how he goes about this novel and conducts himself, it just blows my mind. Like in what world who says, "Hey, I'm going to hide the secret engagement?" Uh, because I'm seriously in love with this girl, but I'm actually just gonna go flirt with everybody else, like in front super, of her. S- yeah, in front of her, like really, really loud and obvious. Mm-hmm. Because it was, it it's was just so over the top and loud and obvious. But at the end of the day, he was actually honest to god in love with Jane Fairfax. Oh my god! Like holy fuck! Like he
0: loves her. He loves her so. Super, he much. fucking
1: married her. Yeah. Like right away yeah and this is the first time i was thinking about this i think this is the first time one of our regency era fuckboy candidates Mm -hmm. has not impregnated somebody or eloped with somebody yeah he legitimately marries her Mm -hmm. like is so in love with her and stays true to her through this entire entire novel even though he was just he was just such a dummy about it like what was your reasoning like he he really i think thought these were all good ideas
0: they were all good ideas he didn't know any better i truly think that he didn't know any better and it's like it's oh my gosh it's oh i'm having a thought Frank and Emma are kind of the same where they're just like how would my actions affect anyone else and it's like Emma is also thinking like these people just are going to fit in my story Mm -hmm. and Frank has a story and Emma has a story and everyone's just going to fit in these pieces and play these parts because it's not really about everyone else. It's just about them and the situation that they found themselves in. Yep.
1: Total selfishness. Well, they're and just thinking about themselves. At
0: the end, too, one of Frank's redeeming qualities. He's talking to Emma mm-hmm. near the end of the book, and it's like he's interrupting his sentences to just be like, you know, I think that I'm going to get her a brooch to like or a barrette mm-hmm. to put in her hair because, shit, wouldn't
1: that look great, Emma? Yeah.
0: Wouldn't wouldn't just some beautiful sparkles in her yep. hair? And in her skin. Have and you and seen? Yeah, have you
1: seen? Wow. Have gosh, you seen my fiance over there? She's so she's beautiful. <laughs> looking up and talking
0: to my father. She's just so
1: beautiful. It's I like know. For, you
0: know. So it's like bless him. For for like Jane does give us like a nice little other couple of stupid happiness. Like yes. Jane is just she's gonna get her inheritance and there's a man who loves her. Like so. And much. like he chooses her and her family. Yes. He chooses yes. her and her family. And Frank is like, Well, yes, I would like dinner parties with Miss Bates on the regular. Yeah. Thank you very much.
1: Because that's also and that's how you know Frank Churchill actually loves Jane Fairfax. Because Jane, we know she's an orphan and she doesn't have money. And yeah, the Bateses are her relatives, closest in the area. Mm -hmm. And Frank chooses that life. He marries her when she has absolutely oh, nothing because he's just like i fucking love you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love you i love you so you're hard. so pretty I just want to put a in yeah. your hair and yeah. tell you how beautiful you are yeah. you're so accomplished you <laughs> played that piano girl <laughs> i love you <laughs> i do but and i think that like i see them too as their relationship for me does mirror emma and mr knightley's a little bit because like you said We are seeing a lot of those similar traits in Emma and uh, Frank. Frank.
0: Yeah, No, no, start naming them. It's Sense and Sensibility. It's Pride and Prejudice. It's Mansfield Park.
1: There it goes. (laughs) Um, You know, we're seeing a lot of those similar traits, that really spirited nature, that kind of self-centered view in both of them. But Jane is that match to Frank. And I think, in my mind at least, that is... A big part of what Frank is attracted to. He's attracted to Jane's sensibleness mm-hmm. and and her calm. You know, she is like his moral compass. I can only imagine the conversations that they have behind the scenes, you know, where she's just like, I <laughs> know <laughs> that's all she says. She just goes, <laughs> Frank. And I wonder what she calls him in the bedroom. Like as they're, you know, they're winding down for the night and it's just like pillow talk time. I wonder what she calls him. Is he a Frankie? No, she wouldn't. She's, no. She's a little more buttoned up. Mm -hmm. No, I know. It would be still very formal. Whatever the pet
0: name, it would still have a mister in front of it. I
1: I think so. (laughs) I think it's definitely more formal. But so that was where I... I did change my mind at the end of the novel. And it was also, you know, to your point, uh, Frank is an interesting character, too, because he's really the the inescapable fuckboy of Austen's novels. Because he is the stepson of Mrs. Weston, who is Emma's best friend. And Emma... It's a trap. It's a trap. It's just like you can't... You have to see him. You have to continue talking to him because... He's going to be around. Yes. He's going to be around. You can't avoid him at all. And so you hopefully you can learn to get along. So I too enjoyed that redemption at the end where they just were able to talk and Emma is like no hard feelings. It's yeah. all good. Like I wasn't really interested in you, like I was fucking around, you were fucking around. Like look, we're both actually in love. This is nice. This good is job, nice. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm going to be here every day. So
0: see you around a block. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I I just I like that. It just wrapped up really well. And uh, it's speaking of the end of this novel. It was a long end to the novel. It was like f- three or four chapters of wrap up. That's what I want to say. I did want to make a oh, point about gosh. that. Yes. Just because, like never ended.
0: Uh, normally. When we have a book with the great climax and then it's like the couple, maybe a chapter or two of, you know, coming down off of the story. And we don't really get to see like the whole wrap up of. Mm -hmm. But we have the, you know, moment where Mr. Knightley is just like, yo, Emma, um, I know you want me to be your friend, but I'm actually in love with you.
1: I want to be a boyfriend. I
0: want to be a boyfriend. Um, But we have the then conversations Happening for the last four chapters Mm
1: -hmm. of the
0: book of wrapping up of who ends up where Emma's able to have this nice conversation with Mr. Churchill. Miss Weston um, forwards on Mr. Churchill's letter to Emma so that she can just read all of the things, get the apology firsthand from the note that was sent to Mrs. Weston. And then just... The way that we get a little bit more behind the scenes as they work towards joining their lives together mm-hmm. is just really satisfying for me as a reader. Like, mm-hmm. just the last two chapters of just listening and the everything just kind of landing nicely and it's just, it's just really mm-hmm.
1: good. Yeah. The pace for me seemed intentional by Austin because she, the whole thing with this union, right, the biggest problem is Emma's like, How am I going to tell my dad? Like, Mr. Woodhouse is going to freak out. He's going to think I'm moving. He's going to think everything is changing. Like, and honestly, I don't want them to. Like, I don't want to leave my home. All of this stuff. And so it's, it's slowly paced at the end because Emma is preparing her dad. Like, they break this news to her and then it's just it's a lot of like settle in with that marinate and then we're going to talk about it a little bit and then we're going to marinate again and so i as the reader felt that just slow pace and 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 get married and want you to fuck i just want everybody to fuck okay come on Mm -hmm. and and it was just like slow going slow pace but that also tells me to just Wow, how patient Knightley is. And the fact Mm -hmm. that man, he can we just talk about too what a big deal this union was? Because Knightley fucking, he goes for it and he gives Emma everything she wants. He breaks with the modern traditions. And it's just, I mean, this is a pretty, this is like unheard of, right? Where the dude is like, yeah, we don't have to live at my estate. Like, we'll move into your dad's house and we'll just take care of him. Absolutely. Not a problem. And, you know, even Emma's like, you're not going to want to do this. And like once you know what, you know, the standards are to marry me or to even consider being with me, it's just too outrageous. And she knows that, you know, she's already told herself, like, I know this is high maintenance and I know no one is going to want to do this because it's just unheard <laughs> I get of. It. Yes. It's unheard of. Like she's made up her own fairy tale ending that doesn't exist for women of the day. And he just so nonchalantly is like, okay, yep, that's fine. Your way. So we're just going to be together all the time. And it's pretty much going to be the same it's always been because I'm, like, over here all the time hanging out with you and your dad. Great. I mean. (laughs) Awesome.
0: Wow. I have to read this one part. It's the last paragraphs (laughs) of the book. But it's, okay, (laughs) we're, hey, we're breaking an hour and a half on here on Book Nook. Uh, The last two paragraphs, because you're talking about the pace. And I love how the pace of this book landed because we spend a couple chapters being like, when are they just going to get married already? Right. So it they're talking about, oh, my gosh, when are we going to get married? When's it going to happen? It says in this state of suspense, they were befriended. Not by any sudden illumination of Mr. Woodhouse's mind or any wonderful change of his nervous system, but by the operation of the same system in another way. Miss Weston's poultry house was robbed one night of all her turkeys, evidently by the ingenuity of man. Other poultry yards in the neighborhood also suffered. Pilfering was housebreaking to Mr. Woodhouse's fears. He was very uneasy and, but for the sense of his son-in-law's protection, would have been under wretched alarm every night of his life. The strength, resolution, and presence of mind of the Knightleys commanded his fullest dependence. Whilst either of them protected him and his, Hartfield was safe. But Mr. John Knightley must be in London again by the end of the first week in November. The result of this distress was that with A much more voluntary, cheerful consent than his daughter had ever presumed to hope for at the moment, she was able to fix her wedding day. And Mr. Elton was called on within a month from the marriage of Mr. and Mrs. Robert Merton to join the hands of Mr. Knightley and Mrs. Woodhouse. You guys, they got to hurry up and get married because Mr. Woodhouse is scared. There's been some burglaries and we mm-hmm. just got to move up the wedding to get Mr. Knightley to be a part of the family so that we all can feel good and confident and safe and know that yep. we're all going to be safe. And it's all about Mr. Woodhouse's safety. And wow, mm-hmm. how thrilled is he now? Emma, go hurry up and marry Mr. Knightley because <sighs> my feeling of safety will be even more complete once you are joined.
1: Mm-hmm how we dote on Mr. Woodhouse. Oh, I love him and so much. Mr. Knightley falls right in line with our other Regency era romances where he's I don't just all of the the men in her novels, like the the main men who marry our lovely protagonists. Uh, they just there's something about them where not only are they putting up with these <laughs> ladies crazy families mm-hmm. uh they're engaging with them <laughs> they're engaging yes. with them they're caring for them it's just I like that's really saying something
0: well oh. the point too with um caring about them is even at the end we didn't talk about it but mr knightley goes kicks in the door with robert martin is like hey you and harriet you guys you should absolutely Still go for Harriet and Mr. Get Robert Martin. Exactly. Get it on. She's like, I know that, you know, you were maybe mm-hmm. rebuffed before, but Mm-mm. pretty sure Mm-mm. even though his life is all set, he's already all in love with Emma and whatever. But it's like there's this loose end that's just kind of wearing on Mr. Knightley. And he's like, oh, you know what Emma would love and also would be really great. Um Harriet Mm -hmm. and Mr. Martin just being together forever. And then Mm -hmm. Emma can have her friend down the road on my
1: land. He even tells Emma (laughs) as they're (laughs) having like engagement conversations and he tells her about this and what he's been cooking up. And he says, you know, this is my thought process. And he says, I got to tell you, I mean, I have been spending more time with your friend Harriet. And I've really been trying to get to know her because I want to set her up with Mr. Martin. And She's not that bad. Like, I understand. She's not (laughs) that bad. (laughs) I understand. And, like, I am starting to see her redeeming qualities. Like, you weren't all wrong before. That's right, Emma. (laughs) Like, you know, he's really making this point, yes, to care for the people that she cares about. And I love that. And that always just, for me, has been a symbol of love. Like, that is totally a love language for me. Just whoever you are it's just caring for you and the people in your life that's mm-hmm. such a huge deal Yeah, it's such a huge deal it's
0: the difference too of emma putting people in her story because of the pieces that she needs them to fit into mm-hmm. and Knightley caring about people who are in the bubble because they're actually important people yes who have a part to play with the people that he loves
1: yes Oh, my God. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> this is such, such a it good much book. This is such a good book. If you
0: haven't read it such and want to just get a quick, like, you know, overview of awesomeness, the 2020 version of Emma, outstanding. Also watch Clueless because... I do it. If you've not seen Clueless, if... my
1: goodness, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with your life?
0: Yeah, I had no idea that when I was in fifth grade and just really needed to see Clueless and... Oh, it's actually based on Emma. Didn't know that until a few years ago. Yes. So I gotta say wow. too,
1: as as we're like wrapping this up, because that that's the end, that's right? The like end, that's right? what happens. To wow. Every, those are all the couples at the end. Everyone. That's what we go through. There yeah. it is. Uh, but as we're wrapping this up, I wanna say I am so glad we are reading this in the order that they were written, yes. because I am. I do sense Jane's maturity in this novel. I also think Emma, I'm seeing so many parallels between all of Austin's other books and her three previous novels that she's written. Emma's just seems like the culmination of Austin's writings. Uh, there's just things throughout. I mean, this this whole complementary characters and and love interests, we're right away in Sense and Sensibility, where it's just all about some characters over here feeling others over there thinking, thinking and everyone's misunderstanding, but we need the other one so we can have all the points of view and kind of all the understanding. Yes.
0: It's like this whole half of the world is missing from my point of view. Yes. Cause you're not in my world yet. Yes.
1: I would love you to influence my point of view mm-hmm. so that I can kind of see a bigger picture here. Yeah. And in Mansfield park, which we just read, uh, Fanny Price was a new character for us who was trying to move up in society and kind of elevate herself and we saw the kind of anxiety of that situation yes. i know Sandy. fanny Sandy. and so having read mansfield park before emma just gave me such a clearer picture of like who jane fairfax is you know and her and jane fairfax's situation mm-hmm as well as Harriet's situation right as as women who are not living with their parents who have uh, been offered "quote unquote" a better life uh, mm-hmm. through this whatever it may be training Harriet's at this boarding school, yep. uh, living with
0: family and
1: just, yep. yep living with family, uh, kind of either living as a ward or a boarder, and and also the anxiety that that places too, right? And so we get to see some more characters mm-hmm. like that sprinkled in, mm-hmm. and I am dead set like I could do a whole episode on uh how much Emma and Mr. Darcy are alike and how like I I so see like Emma is such a masculine character uh just an incredibly masculine protagonist here in a woman's body uh and I just from the moment I started reading this and met her I was like this is what I imagine to be mr darcy's inner monologue Mm -hmm. i think that like they just i have everything i
0: need yeah and this is all uh huh yeah and this is it i mean (gasps) morgan it's it's incredible this is our first read through all of these yeah and the more i'm finding the more that we talk about these and read these books and look at the parallels and everything it's you're right we could do just chunks on Comparing so characters from different books because there's so many mirrored characters, <sighs> so many dual characters, mm-hmm. and then like we can play the who's the Mrs. the Miss Bates of this book. Yes, just so good. There's Morgan. so many. so Emma is mm. such masculine energy. <gasps> I can't read until we read these again. <laughs> oh Man, we're gonna have to read these again, aren't we? Of course oh, we will. Oh man, yeah, of we are. We will. This is just this this book was especially especially excellent. <sighs> yeah all reading all the ones in order the way that they've been written exactly what you're talking about i'm waving these 400 mm-hmm. pages in the air it's a culmination of the different archetypes of women and characters that jean's created and now they're living in this emma bubble together
1: mm-hmm. oh it's so endless. what if we put That's everything amazing. together yes now let's mix it and it all just mingled yeah it's whoa, f- whoa. Soup. it is <laughs> wow well, this has been a blast. It sure has. Our next book nook in five weeks mm-hmm. is going to be Northanger Abbey part oh, one? What's that about? I know literally nothing no. about Northanger oh, Abbey. I, I know that abbeys are sometimes like part of churches. And so that's what I think.
0: Yes. That's all. Some, similar to Mansfield Park not being a park. Oh, it's not. Um, no, it turns out <laughs> it was um, a house. I'm suspicious of Northanger <laughs> Abbey and I am curious <laughs> to find out what that is all about. I That's, am too. I've seen no movies. I've read no books. So it's a Mm-mm. book nook. We're going to be going in blind next time. Completely which, blind. Sometimes we're all the magic clips.
1: Uh, this is a much smaller book, though. Oh, yeah. You were comparing <laughs> it. It's less, you said less than 215 pages. Yeah,
0: it's less than 215. Yeah. So we're going from 415 or so in Emma yeah. to 200 and some in Northanger, Northanger Abbey. Okay, cool. Wow, everyone! Yes. It's a well, little bit more of a shorty this time. Yeah,
1: these the the last two books are much shorter, and these were both uh, Northanger Abbey and then later Persuasion were both published after Jane Austen's death, so she didn't even get to see these published. Oh wow! I know. This so is I'm, her
0: last published book That's the big chunk in boy. her lifetime. Wow! Yeah. So it yeah. makes me
1: wonder. We'll have to do some like more diving into uh you know how these were found were they completed were they semi-completed i don't know who did it like, i don't would know they anything. have been thicker like emma had uh jane lived and maybe re- revised them more i have no idea but maybe, i'm interested
0: to find out maybe we didn't get our weird character in these ones and that's why they're so short is because we don't have the long monologues of the weirdness these are all questions that i have that we'll find out next time on book nook
1: we will yes uh but until then thanks for tuning into aquarius behavior we love you guys lots yes have a great week we'll see you next week love and abundance bye